But every time you release a new piece of code, you have the option to have something be vulnerable all over again. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this next episode of the Hack My Cybersecurity podcast. Thank you all for joining again. My fellow influencer friends told me to tell you guys to like, subscribe, and share the podcast at the start, because not everybody listens till the end. Shame on you guys, of course. As always, we will be talking about the latest cybersecurity topics. I will be your host again, Jaap Klapwijk, cybersecurity specialist at Ingram Micro, the Netherlands. And in today's podcast, we will talk to our guest about application security. Web applications are a very common way to for companies to connect with each other and with their customers, but also a common entry point for hackers to access their environments. Today, I have a very special guest with me. We have been talking a lot about all kinds of cybersecurity topics over the last years. I'm very t- happy to introduce you to Stefan van der Waal, consultant for application security at Barracuda Networks. Stefan, welcome. Thanks, Jan. Thank you for having me here. Of course. Can you introduce yourself to uh, our listeners? Of course. So my name is Stefan van der Waal, and I've been in information security for a little over 10 years now. I've basically done everything from consulting policies, but going into the more technical bits at the later times, because I'll be honest, while policy is interesting, I find it incredibly boring. So right now, <laughs> my, my favorite part is application security, because it's a landscape that really has a lot of things going on. Yeah. What let's talk about it. What kind of challenges do we face when uh, using uh, applications? So I think the the way we look at it right now is the biggest challenge is the ubiquity of of applications. So to give you an idea, five or six years ago, 2015, 2016, I did security management for a company and we had about four or five applications. Now, the same kind of environment will often have 10, 15, or 20 of them. And these applications are used for everything. So even the smaller ones will ask, for instance, for a username, password. They would need you to log in. You need to go around the application. You will store data in it, and it runs everywhere. And as with everything in in the IT landscape, we will do functionality first and security second. And that's the problem with it. It needs to be implemented quickly. For example, COVID happened. We all got to work from home. We needed new applications quickly because everybody needed to work from home directly. Immediately, I mean, and security came second and probably is still not up to the functionality level. I'll give you one worse. If they Tell made me. new applications, they would have probably used recent frameworks and, and built it new. But there's yeah. also a huge tech debt with old applications that were never supposed to see the light of day. Yeah. People went, oh, but we need to work from home. Open them up. Yeah. Yeah. So you can already access it in the office environment. Let's call it that. No connection to the internet whatsoever. But then they said, okay, work from home, connect it. Yeah. And then security was uh, probably seventh or eighth or not even on the list of priorities. Well, sometimes, but luckily, I think over the past few years that we've gotten slightly better, that yeah. at least one person in the organization went, should we be doing this? Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Now, well, bigger 
big organizations probably have someone who will say that. Dedicated. But yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, dedicated, of course, yeah. But in, instead, a lot of smaller companies don't have one dedicated. You need a smart engineer or someone with IT knowledge to say. Yeah. Sometimes it's a, an, an IT engineer, although size is never an excuse for good or bad security, because I've known no. some small companies that were amazing and I've known some huge companies and I'm not going to name anyone, but that was terrible. Yeah, so, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. There is, there's always someone that cares. And if you're lucky, and that's usually in the bigger organizations, the case, it's the one who has the budget to think about those sorts of things. Yeah. And, and the power to implement it. Yes, yeah. and the ability to convince C-level that, hey, we're actually having a problem here. Yeah, We've got that's to the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the reason for this podcast as well. Create awareness that security in IT is important, even if you're a smaller company, if you're a big company. Really good yeah, idea. Yeah. I like it. Thank you very much. Let's look at some use cases. As always, we're starting with a big one, actually. Quite recently, August 2018, the booking application from British Airways was hacked. Mm -hmm. So the place where customers book their flights. So the the information they or a customer needs to fill out when booking a flight are his, his name. And of course, the, you have to get the name that's on your, your passport. So your official name, address, even where credit card numbers, expiration dates, your credit cards. PIN codes or security codes, all stuff that's extremely interesting for thieves, of course. Mm -hmm. So this application got hacked and um, I understood the British Airways and the customers actually didn't notice anything because the data that was entered was sent to British Airways. So they made a reservation, sent you a ticket, you got in a flight to your great uh, holiday uh, destination. but. The thieves also got the same information and were able to use those credit card information to purchase other stuff, except yeah. Yeah, so, so this is yeah. this is a it's not a classic, but it's called a mage card attack. Yeah. And the idea behind this attack is that applications are built up of passive and dynamic content. So static and dynamic content. Yeah. So static content is for instance text or well, maybe even an image, but images can be dynamic as well. So we'll, let's not go down that rabbit hole, but <laughs> we have JavaScript. Yeah. So we have scripts that tell us, hey, what we can do, it will allow the client or the browser to mm -hmm. render the page to make sure that the information is correct and that people can interact with it properly. Because yeah. none of us normal beings are ever going to look at a JavaScript and go, oh, wow, yeah, that's, that's the way that works. So <laughs> the idea behind it is it's called it's, it can be called a supply chain attack or a client side attack. So in, in the development of the web, we used to have websites and we would go to those websites and we would interact with them. But as time progressed, websites are getting bigger. Yeah. And it's more interesting for users to, instead of waiting on the server to supply you with the information, to get the information from different parts of the web, because someone else already did the work for certain scripts, mm -hmm. or some images are delivered through a content delivery network, because we assemble that at the, at the client, because it's faster. And it yeah. gives a better experience. Now that's when you open yourself up to this to these sorts of attacks because all the the, the adversary has to do, or the cyber criminal, mm -hmm. is to change one of the web one of the scripts. And I'm going to I'm going to make this sound easier than it is, but it's not actually yeah. that difficult. Is it changes the script to say, hey, if someone puts in their contact 
details, their card details, send it to me and also to the original yeah. um, server. So they're none the wiser. And yeah. this is exactly what happened here. The good news is that you can you can do something about it. It's called client-side protection, but that's a whole that that that's a whole idea that we need to get used to because as we go along, applications yeah. will become more difficult, they will become bigger, they will become better, they will become more complicated and more vulnerable for these sorts of things. Yeah. We all will be more dependent on all those applications to live our um, comfortable lives. Honestly, if you're a restaurant and I have to pick up the phone to book with you, I'm not going to come. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking to people was scary. Yes, <laughs> yeah. exactly. But so the application of British Airways actually runs on my PC or my phone. And British Airways doesn't have the control over their applications, at least the parts I got from all different parts of the internet. Yes, because yeah. they're, you're not actually downloading that from them. So yeah. it, it, this can be two ways. So you can either have something from a third party mm -hmm. that has been changed. So you have no visibility of that. Yeah. Or someone just went into your web server on the back end, tweaked it, and you're still none the wiser. Yeah. Because it is still your script. Yeah. It's just we've put something else under it. Yeah. And nobody's going to check their script every day to check if anything changed. No, no. And that's that's why that's why we look at ways to actually protect the clients, because browsers are actually capable of protecting us by by looking at the information we get there, verifying yeah. it with the server and saying, hey, wait a minute, this has changed since what you told me it should be. So I'm not executing. Yeah, exactly. But so so is, it's get checked. But yes. yeah, yeah. But that is, yeah. you know, with as with everything in security, will be three years down the line before it's properly implemented everywhere. Yeah. And maybe not even then. No, and before that happens, so let's uh, get in some numbers. 380,000 customers were actually uh, compromised by this attack. So that's a lot of damage for all those customers and probably even more for British Airways themselves. So mm -hmm. I think... They will take a very good look at all their applications and yeah. oh, it's actually if you if you run credit cards, so if you need to comply with something called PCI DSS, yeah, which is the compliance framework for payment cards, mm -hmm. you need to do something to prevent that sort of attacks. They've they've almost literally mentioned it. So yeah. I will guarantee you that anyone who is transferring a credit card will be looking at this very very soon. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's take another look at how people can compromise your web application. A less uh, elegant way is uh, DDoS attacks. I think most of my listeners actually know uh, what it is, but let's explain it uh, briefly. So DDoS attacks are uh, a way of sending a large number of requests to a server, network, or application to force an overload. That way, that one won't be available anymore for the normal users. And this will probably just be to harm the application or the company behind the application, not really to steal anything. Or to use it as a distraction to, to attack one side of an environment and then get all the engineers working on that and try to enter the other side. But mostly it's just to attack and annoy the application owners. So a serious example was an attack of an application used by a healthcare organization, actually. So on this application, the doctors could look at the patient's records and DDoS attacks made that application inaccessible. So it's not just annoying for the care workers, 
that they couldn't reach those records of the of the patients. But of course, if you need an operation and you need to know if you're allergic to some kind of materials or even worse, you yeah, I'm not a doctor. I don't know what actually the complications can be. <laughs> Just let me talk about IT. But it can be, of course, life-threatening if you can't see the patient's records. Um, what makes DDoS attack so effective and on applications, of course? Simplicity. So when we reason for security, we look at confidentiality, integrity, and availability. Yeah. And DDoS is very much an availability attack. Yeah. When looking at DDoS attacks and the reasons they're so prevalent is because they're easy. I yeah. once jokingly called it Fisher Price, my first cyber attack. Um, <laughs> and that is what it is. It is a good way to deviate the attention. So like you said, it's, it's yeah. a diversion to deviate the attention for, for a security team because they have to deal with it. Yeah. It's also, there's roughly two types of DDoS attacks and I'm, oversimplifying, but it, it can be split out. There is the volumetric attack, mm -hmm. which is basically we get millions upon millions of usually compromised, always compromised systems to send requests to a server. Yeah. So we basically plug the line. It is basically, well, if you've if you've been out on the A2 recently yeah. uh, on the weekend, that's, that's what a volumetric DDoS attack yeah. looks like in car terms. Yeah. Now, the other part is the application DDoS attack. So where you exhaust either the application, give it too many requests to deal with, where the network is fine. Yeah. But actually the application itself is scratching itself behind the ear, going, I don't know what to do with this. Yeah. Both of those are easily you can you can get rid of them fairly easily because as as said, they are not very intelligent. No. They usually they come from multiple IP addresses. You can buy them with SLAs, by the way, if you pony up enough Bitcoin, you can buy yeah. them with SLAs, support and everything there. But it is what it is, which is reasonably a simple attack. When yeah. we look at applications, we recommend filtering for both because usually a solution to deal with the volumetric attacks mm -hmm. is different than one that has to look at the more intelligent ones. Yeah. So to see what kind of bots are sending a request to your application or your network, and then filtering out those requests from the, the JITs, the user requests. Exactly. Yeah. So it's usually indeed bots, but for instance, I was looking at an application which had normally per hour about 30,000 requests, and then mm -hmm. they, got a, they got a DDoS attack, which was 5 million requests in one hour. That's noticeable. It was. It was a pretty big peak at that point. And basically, the only thing it was was malformed requests. So the server would never be able to service them. Yeah. But they were still forced to look at it yeah and we when you are running ddos protection from which company whatever we will either take a look at who's sending it or mm -hmm. what they are sending that's the two components yeah. that we can look at so we can identify the client or we can identify the type of requests and in both times we just go no 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 no. go <laughs> cool off come yeah. back when you behave yeah come back where you're, when you're a normal human user yes yeah. exactly yeah. Or even a, a valid bot, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Also a good point, yeah. Yeah. So bots are not always malicious, but it can also be from example from Google checking what's on your website so you can get higher in the, the Google ratings. Absolutely. Stuff like that. Yeah. There are 
many, many good bots. We use them ourselves as well to, to learn about web pages when we have to. Yeah. But especially if I would block Google bot, I think I would get murdered by the marketing department. Oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the number one bot to get in your, uh, on your website, of course. Yeah. So it seems web applications are used way more. Like you said, uh, in 2015, you're three or four, and now it's probably a 20, 2025. I think you used those numbers. Maybe there were different ones, but at least a huge increase. Hmm. Those huge increases always come together with huge vulnerabilities because like we said earlier, we need to have applications working, and then we will take a look maybe if they are secure. How can we make sure those applications are secure before we go to deploy them? What kind of simple thoughts you have to have or scripts you have to have to make them more secure? First, there's free vulnerability scans out there. Just do one. Yeah. So before what? deploying, just scan. Yeah. So yeah. let me let me let me answer your question with a question. How popular do you think web applications are in terms of getting compromised? Would you say it is more or less prevalent than using a backdoor? Well, I think looking at the um, ransomware attacks I've read about, the big ones, mostly there's some kind of misconfiguration in the network, maybe some backdoor left open. So, but other, on the other end, we're talking about applications. So <laughs> I'm not sure. An application is nothing else than a server. So yeah. indeed, you, you hit the nail on the head. With ransomware, we found some web servers that, for instance, sold baby goods that were actually used as a command and control server. Yeah. So because it's just a computer, whenever you can execute something on it, it is nice. Yeah. Applications are as diverse as the people who built them, which means yeah. that any vulnerabilities there there's no shame in that vulnerabilities are a fact of life we will never be able to prevent them completely but it's about the mindset where we look at it respond to it and make sure that it gets fixed yeah. so my first step would be any release that you do just run that vulnerability scanner yeah even if you're bored of everything else <laughs> just do that yeah because I see developers that are are very very security minded mm -hmm. and they do whole exercises with the rest of their security teams in order to figure out whether or not an application can be deployed. And that is also a huge overhead because then you lose for instance, I say lose, but you gain a lot of hours down the line. Yeah. <laughs> where you spend time deciding whether or not your application is vulnerable. But every time you release a new piece of code, you have the option to have something be vulnerable all over again, yeah. which is why I'm a huge enemy of the yearly penetration test. Yeah, because during that year, so much has changed. And then you're, um, when you got the results from the penetration test, let's say a month after they executed it, you're probably losing data again via another. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because how much time is there? So penetration tests by default are, hey, I've gained access and I did it this way. Yeah. Do this, 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 that, this. You yeah. know what the most wrong answer is when you when you ask someone whether or not their application is secure? Probably saying yes, it is secure. Uh, that and <laughs> we'll patch it tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. 
if you, and that's why, you know, uh, when you look at application security and one of the strategies is virtual patching, let's look at log4j, yeah. right? That, yeah. had, that had a huge impact. Oh, because, that's a great example, yeah. Because essentially that component was, I think the joke was that's maintained by two people who got never got paid somewhere in Nebraska, US. Yeah, I heard something like that, yeah. And actually log4j was doing exactly what it was supposed to do. It was... The, the function of the vulnerability was exactly what it was designed to do. It just had some edge cases that weren't weren't thought of. Yeah. So then before, and, and especially when you get these massive vulnerabilities, there's always a scramble to patch it in time and everyone's always late. And that's why you want a form of virtual patching. So yeah. you say, okay, we have a system in place that sits in front of the application and basically captures the most egregious errors. So. Mm -hmm. When looking at what we did in our organization is supply our customers as fast as possible with a way to virtually patch it. And to this day, I still yeah. have customers that say, oh, can we use that? Because our supplier or we have not patched it yet. Now, yeah. ask yourself, how long ago did, was Log4j discovered? I think it was 2020. No, 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 it's not that bad. It's five, five six months ago. Oh, really? I thought time was flying. Yes, it is flying, <laughs> but not that fast, sir. This never happens. I always think time goes less fast than it goes, but but still, let's say five or six months. That's, yeah, but that's for something four, that's easily exploitable. Yeah, that is four months and three weeks too late. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's crazy. And knowing exactly what's on the, the, the application by um, assessing it, scanning it, vulnerability, testing, that's of course what you said takes time, takes away some of your budget of creating those applications. But if something happens, it takes way more time and way more budget. Here's the challenge for the security market, automated. So yeah. we need to, one of the biggest complaints I hear from security engineers is I can't talk to my developer. He won't, he or she won't tell me when they've released, released new parts of the API. Yeah. So what we want to do is when we identify applications, we want to automatically scan them, interpret mm -hmm. the traffic and recommend what is going to happen next. So we want all the configuration to be done as automatically as possible. Yeah. Because having to do it manually is an arduous task and you need buy-in and commitment from everyone to do so. Now, yeah. there's of course different levels of security. And when you're a bank, and you have all the money in the world to do this, well, technically, uh, <laughs> then it will be easier than when you're a small business. But just yeah. because you're a smaller business and, and small, medium, you know, anything between 10 and, and 1,000 employees still means you need to do something about the security of your APIs and yeah. your web pages. It, yeah. That's not going to go away. Yeah, and I was talking about developers not focusing on security like they do it on purpose and they are just reckless, but most of the times it's just not having enough time to take a look at the security part. But with automation, you can create that time. And those developers who are doing a great job can also take a look at the security part. The best developers I worked with were scatterbrained. And yeah. it is just... I don't even want to stop them because they make brilliant stuff. Exactly, yeah. And and all of a sudden, here we are as security, and we always think we're the most important field. Uh-uh. The most important thing is, is actually being able to run production and getting your stuff out there. Yeah. But 
what it is up to us as security professionals is to give the 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 lines with within which they need to collar and that is yeah. something that needs yeah. to be done automatic but are we going to bother a brilliant developer with consistently going no 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 you shouldn't be making that no no of course not. yeah we just want yeah. them to be able to do their stuff and we need to look at it and go okay hey listen we figured out that this and this and this is a bit of a problem so can you fix that down the line so it comes into the kanban board and it's there yeah. and meanwhile we will virtually patch it to make sure that it is not an outward immediate problem yeah so let the brilliant guys do their brilliant job and then please yeah afterwards say to them before launching say to them maybe yeah. This, 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 this. The yeah. more time yeah. I spend with application security, the more time I now also spend with customers that say, hey, listen, we're going to release next month. Can we look at this now? Yeah. Sure. Better than they say we already released it last month. Yeah. Maybe we should have looked at it two months ago. And then it's yeah. bolt on. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So let's take a look at the future. What do you think will be changing? You said 2015, five applications, 2022, 15, 20, 25 applications. Let's say not way too far in the future, 2030. What will be happening? So we'll be looking at everything is automated. So first of all, one of the biggest complaints or troubles you had with, for instance, web application firewalling is that it requires a lot of attention in terms of maintaining rule bases, maintaining the configuration, that's all going to get automated. Yeah. So we will automatically discover APIs, we will automatically discover web pages, and from that, we will generate mm -hmm. the configuration. So rather than us sitting in the preventive chair trying to figure out what an application does, the software will do that for us. Yeah. The software will discover, the software will recommend, and the software will mitigate. And the thing we're doing right. is making sure that it's looking at the right things. So all we're seeing right now is the growth of IT, where one of the biggest trends now is containerization. Mm -hmm. That will only move forward. Yeah. So every security that we do, even with applications, will be tailor-made for that application and will be completely automatically learned. And it will grab all information it needs and recommends based on that. So it's a generic product, but it will learn and form to the specific application. So one of the, one of the things our CTO said is be like water. And yeah. the reason he said be like water is because water can take every shape. If yeah. I put it in a glass, it's glass shape. I put it in a bowl, it's bowl shaped. Yeah. That is how security should be. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what shape your application takes. Mm -hmm. We will wrap it up. We will be like water. We will we will be we will contain it. Yeah. We will make sure that it has the security it needs at the right time. Yeah. And not every application will need nuclear grade bunkers to protect it, but the right security at the right time. That exactly. is that yeah. is the future. Yeah. So the let's continue on the example of water. The water doesn't contain rules saying it needs to be liquid. It needs to be around so it can fit in a glass. But when it freezes, it needs to get hard so people can skate on it in the canals of Amsterdam and make some beautiful, typical Dutch pictures. Security needs to take the form 
of whatever we need it to be. Yeah. And that's the way that we can use it as an analogy for water. Yeah. Because for too long, security and IT has thought it all revolves around them. It does not mm -hmm. revolve around us. It revolves around the users and what they want to do with the applications. Yeah. Yeah. And it is up to us to make sure that they get the the most sensible security rules. So we want to, it's it's like with kids, right? You want to make them explore everything and you want yeah. to make them learn new things, but you do want to make sure they do not fall into that huge hole. Yeah, so exactly. we put, a, we yeah. put, a, we put a, a fence around the hole and yeah. we take a little look at them. But aside from that, yeah. let them let them do their thing yeah. because- Tell oh, them probably not to climb the fence. Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> you always have these edge cases, but yeah. it is very important users need to do the job that they were hired for. Yeah. Developers need to yeah. do the job that they were hired for. We as security professionals cannot be the inhibiting factor of what these people are making. We need to support them. Yeah. And we support them by making good security. Exactly. And then staying out of the way as much as possible until they um, need that security. Well, everybody needs the security, but don't bother them with it before the brilliantness of their application building has, has uh, finished. As long yeah. as you know they're a good actor, they shouldn't even notice that we're there. The best security yeah. measures are the ones that your users never notice. Yeah, exactly. Hey, have you tried implementing this? No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, same with backup. Ooh. Best not to use it, <laughs> but best to have it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I think we'll be finishing up. It's way too interesting to talk to you about this, but let's take a look at the time. Yeah. Back to the listeners. We discussed a lot of topics today about applications, about security in general. If you all want to talk about it more, reach out to us. We will be happy to talk to you one-on-one. -on -one. We've got the information in the podcast notes below. So we've got a description about the podcast. We will put in some links about the cases we talked about. So the DDoS attack on the hospital and the attack on the application of British Airways. Last thing for me to do is thank you, Steven van der Waal. It was a great pleasure to talk to you, as always. Thank you for having me here. You're very welcome. And, and as always as well, very interesting points and a good look on security, maybe something, definitely something I will think about how we as a security, let's say team or security minded person, security needs to be my focus, of course, because that's what I'm selling. We're not the most important, but we need to help the guys who are the most important. That's, that's actually, I think a good summary. Absolutely. So thank you all for listening as well. I hope you find it interesting as always. I hope you learned something new today. That should be the goal of every day. Learn something new. It's actually something I learned from your colleague at the marketing department, Judah van Wees. <laughs> so the day isn't a good day until you learn something new. So I hope you all learn something and we'll see you at our next podcast. Mm -hmm.